I remember, <clears throat> show you how long ago this was, my wife and I were driving down the road listening to a cassette tape of that song. <clears throat> Those of you that don't know what a cassette tape is, uh, sorry. <laughs> You're really missing out if you don't know what a cassette tape is. And um, anyway, we were listening to that song, and Melanie looked over at me, and she said, Rick, I hope and pray that at my funeral, that song can be sung at my funeral. She said, that's what I want. I want to live my, my life so that people can see Christ in me. And ever since then, that song has been very, very special to me. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> now, I'm going to make a statement this morning, and uh, right out of the gate, and, and it's, it, it may catch some of you off guard. I don't know, probably, maybe. <clears throat> but I, 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 I will say this. Many believers today believe that we are living in the last days. And I would dare say many of you would agree with that. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 through 5, it says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, of those that are good, traitors, heady-minded, uh, 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 heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now, does that sound like today? Second Timothy chapter 4, uh, the, next, the, the next chapter, uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, Paul says this when he's writing to the young preacher, Timothy. He says, uh, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Boy, does that not sound familiar. And they shall turn away their ear from truth and shall be turned unto fables. Boy, if that doesn't describe 2021, I don't know what does. Now, I personally believe that we are living in the last days. But so did Paul. That was 2,000 years ago. And I, <laughs> I dare say most believers in the last 2,000 years would say, hey, we're living in the last days. So are we living in the last days? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we are, but, you know, Paul did too. Second Thessalonians, stay in First Thessalonians. I'm gonna, if, if you want to, you can turn the Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. <clears throat> but Paul wrote to the, to the Thessalonian, uh, the, the church of Thessalonica, and he, and he said this, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together of Him, 
that ye be not soon shaken in, in mind or, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as the day of Christ is at hand. God has a prophetic timetable. Okay, God, God's timetable is not our timetable. Now he has given us, and, and we're going to see this when we move into 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see the basic timetable, prophetic timetable that God has, and he's given us some, some clues of sorts, if you would. Uh, we read some of those in 2 Timothy. <clears throat> uh, we're going to see more as we, as we un, unroll uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, but this morning we're not going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to be in chapter 1. Because uh, we've we've talked about uh, verses one one through ten. We're gonna this morning. We're gonna talk about verses eleven and twelve. These are transitional verses, if you would. The first in in First Thessalonians chapter one, the first ten verses are Paul talking about the past. First Thessalonians chapter two is Paul tran- transitioning to the future. But these two verses we're going to talk about this morning, and Paul is going to be talking about the present. And that's where we are today. We cannot live in the past, but we should use the past to help us live today. On the flip side, we can also look to the future to motivate us to live for today. Fear of the unknown can paralyze a lot of people. And, and a lot of people don't like looking to the future because the, uh, the, the future is, is, a, is a, it's unknown and, and, and it's uncertain. How, how many of you love uncertainty? Raise your hand. I, I didn't think so. N- none of us do. And the future, especially today, is uncertain. You, 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 you don't think so. Just, just turn on the news. It gets crazier and crazier every day. I, 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 I just quit listening to the news. Every day I was turning on the news, it was getting more bizarre every day. The, the words of Second Timothy were, it, it's becoming... The, the, it's just bizarre. Chapter 2 is about looking to the future with hope, not fear. Ooh. Stop it. Okay? Second Thessalonians is, is about looking to the future with hope, not fear. We have nothing to fear. If, if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, you have got nothing to fear. He has conquered death. We have nothing to fear. I love this quote. <clears throat> I came across it uh, a week or so ago. Um, we must never neglect a present responsibility because of future hope. On the contrary, 
the future hope must encourage us to be faithful today. And I believe that was the purpose in, in Paul writing 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to give us hope for the future, not fear. And these two transitional verses are key to, to getting us from the past to the future. Let's talk about the present this morning. Last week, we talked about God's assurance, the rewards, the, the compensation, <clears throat> and the rest that we can have in Christ. I read you a quote last week from C.S. Lewis that said this, Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. This morning, I'm going to give you part three of this little series that we're doing here on finding true encouragement. Number three, by living in the present. By living in the present. Living in the past will drag you down. Living in the future can bring fear into your life. But when we live in the present and we use the past and we use the future to encourage us and to motivate us to live in the present, that's what Paul's talking about in these two verses. Let's read them, uh, verses 11 and 12. Wherefore also ye pray always, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. <clears throat> thank you for your love and for the work that you do. You, you are so good to us, so kind and so gracious. Help us, dear God. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, encourage us. Help us, dear God, to put away the craziness and the busyness of life for just a little, little bit of time so that we can concentrate on your word. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul, Paul these these. Two verses, 11 and 12, are, are a prayer of sorts that Paul has for the Thessalonian believers. And Paul, Paul is encouraging the, the believers to live in the present. And, and one of, the, one of the, my fears is, is, as, as a pastor is that with all the craziness going on in the world today, we are more and more convinced that we are living in the last days. And, and, and that's a natural thing for a believer to think. But the, 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 the thing that become, can, can become a problem is that when we live so much into the, into the future and, and looking to the end times, we forget that we have a job to do here and now. And that job is to share Jesus Christ with a lost world. I want to give you this morning three ways that we can live in the present. Three things that Paul gives us here in these two verses. The first one is to be worthy. Be worthy. 
verse 11, And wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling. I have a question for you. What is the, <clears throat> what is the first word of verse 11? Wherefore? What, what is that word there? Why is that word there? Because what he's saying is because of what I said in verses 1 through 10, all the, all the tribulation that you've gone through, all the trouble that you've had, all the, all the hard times, all the, the, the difficulties, everything that you have gone through, because of that, you need to live for today. Because of all that you've been through, don't give up. Don't quit. We, we live in a society today that says, hey, it's easy, it's easy to quit, do we not? It, you know, hey, if you don't feel like doing it, don't. But Paul is telling the believers here, don't quit. You've had some hard times, don't quit. Trials do not make a person. Trials reveal who the person really is. How about I have another question for you? Can our faith get tired? Can, can, can your faith just sometimes just get tired? Do you ever feel like that? I believe we can. I, I, I believe that that's one of the reasons why Peter wrote 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 in verse 6 through 9. He says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, <clears throat> though now uh, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye, ye see him not, ye believe and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your, of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Paul, or excuse me, Peter here, I believe is trying to encourage believers that are just tired. I want to go back, I want to look at a phrase here that Peter uses. He says that our God would count you, or excuse me, that Paul used in, in, in Thessalonians here, in verse 11, it says that God will count you worthy of the calling. Now, <clears throat> it's a, it's a, th th this word calling here is an interesting word. It, it, it means to have a sense of accomplishment. So I want to give you a paraphrase here of what I, I believe Paul's trying to say. That our God would count you worthy because of all that you have accomplished. That the, the believers in Thessalonica had accomplished incredible things for God. 
but they had, for, for lack of better terms in 21st century vernacular, I'll put it this way, they had paid the price for that. They had paid the price through, through difficult circumstances, through persecutions and just incredible things that they had to go through, but they had accomplished so much. And Paul is, is acknowledging that and he says, he says, God counts you worthy because of all that you have accomplished. So lesson number one, we need to ask God to build our worth and make us more valuable Christians. The problem with that statement is in order to build us and make us more worthy, we too must go through difficult times. Letter B this morning. Letter A was be worthy. Letter B, uh, be strong. Be strong. Let's continue reading in verse 11. And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and work of faith with power. Be strong. Good character leads to good conduct. I don't know where I read that, but I read that somewhere recently, and I, I just thought I'd throw that in there. But good character leads to good conduct. Paul's prayer here for the Thessalonian believers is that they, that they stay strong. October 15th, 19, uh, excuse me, 1997, a guy named David Huxley. Is that name familiar? Okay, David Huxley decided he was going to do something really crazy. And he got a harness, a custom fit harness, and a cable that was 15 yards long. And he hooked the, he hooked the cable to his back, uh, to the harness. And the other end of the harness was hooked to the landing gear of a 747. And David Huxley got in his position and started pulling. And he pulled that 747 a hundred yards. <clears throat> that 747 weighed a hundred and eighty-seven tons. He pulled it a hundred yards in one minute, 21 seconds. Now, personally, I think he's crazy. <laughs> Probably shot. <clears throat> See, oftentimes we have a skewed misunderstanding or interpretation would probably be a better word, a skewed interpretation of the word strong. More often than not, when we think of strength, we think of strength in the physical realm, do we not? But I want to read you a story of faith. In 1555, Dr. Nick, Nicholas Rid, Ridley was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. 
On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in prison to assist and comfort him through the night. Nicholas Ridley declined the offer and replied, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quiet tonight as I ever have in my life. Because he knew the peace of God could rest in the, in, in the strength and the everlasting arms of his Lord, which whom he would soon meet. Dr. Ridley lay down that night, slept like a baby. Next morning he was executed, burned at the stake. Many of us would say that Dr. Ridley was a truly strong man. Many of us would even say that he was a stronger man than David Huxley, who pulled the 747 100 yards. But I believe that if Dr. Ridley could walk through the door this morning and address our, our little church this morning, he would say something to the effect of that his strength was not in himself, but in his God. And what is Paul saying here in verse 11? He's telling his people to be strong, but how? By going around pulling 747s? I don't think so. By putting their faith and trust in their God. Where is your faith and trust this morning? Is it in God? Or is it in yourself? All of us, all of us go through difficulties. All of us go through hard times. There, there's, there's no denying that. But where's your strength? Is your strength in something external? Is it in God or is it in yourself? It's during those times that God does his greatest works in our lives. Lesson number two for you this morning. We need to look to God for our strength so that we can be found faithful. See, our, our, our strength has to come from God. Has to. Letter C this morning. Not only should we be worthy, we should be strong, but we should be a witness. Look at verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him according to the, the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word witness here, uh, <clears throat> or, excuse me, the, 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 the reason I chose the word witness, excuse me, it, it literally means somebody that gives evidence because of personal knowledge. Somebody that gives evidence because of personal knowledge. And I purposely asked Ashley this morning to sing that song, <clears throat> I saw Jesus in you because every time I hear that song, I get convicted about my walk with him. 
Can people see Jesus Christ in me? Does my life point people to Jesus Christ? Am I the witness that I need to be? I want to read you the last, the, the last verse and chorus of that song. It says, When I stand before my Father to receive my life's reward. Now that in itself, that thought right there is an incredible thought. Because I will stand before God one day to receive my life's reward. And my soul is bathed in God's eternal day. When this race on earth is run and God sees the works I've done, more than anything, I long to hear my father say, I saw Jesus in you. One of the reasons I like this song is because who is the person in the song that they are wanting to acknowledge their life? It's God. The author of the song is not saying, I want people to say, I saw Jesus in you. That's not, that's not, what, that's not what the author of the song is saying. What he's saying is, when I stand before God one day and I receive life's reward... I want God to say, I saw Jesus in you. Because really, that's all that matters. Right? I'm not here on this earth to please people. I'm here to serve my God. And when my God looks at me at that day, I want him to say, I I saw Jesus in you. I saw Jesus in you. I could hear his voice in the words he said, I saw Jesus in you. In your eyes, I saw his care. I could hear his love was there. You were faithful, and I saw Jesus in you. Are you a witness this morning? For Jesus Christ. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. How can I accomplish such an impossible task? How can I, how can I accomplish God looking at my life at the end of my life and him saying, I saw Jesus in you? How can I accomplish that? I'm glad you asked. The answer. It is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, the problem with this verse, most of us like to focus on the last part of this verse. We want to talk about going to heaven one day when we will gain heaven. And we will gain the glory of heaven. And we like to focus on that. And, but we don't always like to focus on the to live as Christ. Because that is going to cost us something. To live like Christ, like Paul 
has said, and, and Peter and all of the New Testament authors have said, to live for Christ is going to cost you something. To live for Christ. What does it mean? What Paul is saying here is everything that I have ever tried to do, everything that I am, everything that I'm going to be is Christ. Everything. It's all about Christ. Paul singularly wanted his life to point people to Christ. I saw Jesus in you. What was Paul's famous saying near the end of his life? He says, all he wants to hear is say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. To live as Christ means that we should proclaim the gospel of Christ. We should proclaim the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. To live as Christ also means that we uh, imitate the example of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. What is Paul saying there? Please understand, when Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, he was not saying, follow me. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Or the idea here is, as I imitate Christ, you imitate me. But the understanding that Paul has here with the Corinthian believers is if I ever get to the point where I stop imitating Christ, don't follow me, but follow him. Our lives should, follow, should imitate Christ. To live, is to, to live is Christ is to imitate Christ. To live is Christ means to, uh, that we pursue the knowledge of Christ. Philippians Chapter 3 and verse 10, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the, the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto death. We should want to know Christ. The word know here in Philippians chapter 3 is to know by experience. To know him. To live for Christ also means that we should be willing to give up anything and everything that prevents us from having Christ. Let me say that one again because that's a tough one to swallow. To live, to li to live as Christ means that we will that we are to uh, willingly give up anything and everything that prevents us from having Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. What is Paul saying there? You know, he can have it all. He has it all. What's holding you back from serving Christ? To live as Christ means that Christ is our focus, our goal, and our greatest desire. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the glory that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Three lessons this morning. Lesson number one, we need to ask God to build our worth and make us more valuable Christians. Lesson number two, we need to look to God for our strength so that we can be found faithful. And then lesson number three, we need to keep Christ at the center of our lives so that others might see Jesus in me. Because that's my greatest desire. I hope it's your greatest desire that I be a witness for Jesus Christ. Not just in my words, but in my actions. And everything that I say, everything that I do, would point people to Jesus Christ. That is exactly what Paul's trying to encourage the believers here. You need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.